In our search for truth, we're studying the seven books, the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Today we get to number three. The first lesson that we got from the first church is that God is more interested in our love for Him than He is our good works. I'm afraid Christianity today has emphasized what we do more than what we're being. God wants to control us, and He wants us to love Him. And when He's first in our life, then everything we do, He's pleased with. But when we work to please Him, He's never pleased. His grace is sufficient. The letter to Smyrna, the church under persecution, taught us that persecution is come upon us for a reason. Number one, to discipline us. Number two, to protect us. And number three, to teach us. And in the times in which we live, in 2020, we may face severe persecution. And we need to understand clearly that God is still in control. He's still watching over us. And He will use the hard times we have for our benefit. We have to keep that in mind. Now let's look at the third church today. And this is the church in the town of Pergamos. Pergamos was also a very wealthy city. It was 25 miles from the Mediterranean. It was not a a dominantly spiritual or Christian community, but there was a small church there that Paul had started. Paper was made there. That's where the name parchment came from. And there was a library with 200,000 books. Can you believe that? And Anthony gave these books to Cleopatra as a wedding present. And so let's look and see what what the angel spoke, what God spoke to the pastor of the church. That's who the angel is. He said, I know your works. I know um, that where you dwell, where Satan's seat is. You hold fast my name. You have not denied my faith. Even in the days where Antipas, my faithful martyr, was slain among you where Satan dwells. Antipas was a martyr. He was put in a hot, molten calf and burned to death. And even when that happened, they still held their faith. I think it's interesting that God always starts out with the the, uh, commendation. He says, I know what you're doing good. But then our favorite word, but, comes along. And when that word shows up, we have to sit up and take heed. He said, I have a few things against you because you have there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. Now, Balaam and Balak take up a large part of the book of Numbers and it just happens to be one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it's a story of compromise. And that is something we must not yield to. We cannot compromise for the sake of popularity or 
or wealth. And Balaam is a great illustration. So I'm going to attempt to cover this story in the next 10 minutes. If I can't complete it, I'll pick it up in the next episode. To me, it's one of the funniest stories in the Old Testament. Let's identify the characters. Balak was the king of the the Moabites, and he had heard how God had blessed these two million people that were marching across the desert on their way to the Promised Land, and they camped right by his nation, and he was terrified. He was afraid that they would come and, as he said, just lick us up. Now, there was another man named Balaam who was a prophet. Now, he was not a godly man. He was not even a Jew. But he was a prophet, and he was known to the people there. And so Balak decided to send messengers to Balaam to get him to come and curse these people. He said, come, I pray you, and curse these people. They are so mighty, they're going to prevail, and, sm- and we need to smite them and drive them out of the land. And he said, for I want that he whom you blessed is blessed, and him who you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. They came to Balaam, and they said to him, he said to them, Lodge here this night. They spoke to him the words of Balak. I'm really hurrying, and I have to slow down. They told him what Balak wanted him to do. Now, he should have said, I can't do that. Go away. But he didn't do it. This is what I think is funny. He said, well, just lodge here tonight. I'll bring you word again tomorrow as the Lord will speak to me. So the princes abode with Balaam. Now God came to Balaam. He said, who are these people that have come here? And Balaam said, Balak, the king of Moab, sent them. And said, there is a people that have come out of Egypt that are covering the face of the earth. Come now, curse them so I can overcome them and drive them away. Now, in verse 12 of Numbers chapter 22, we have clearly God's message to Balaam. Listen carefully. God said, you shall not go with them, for you will not curse the people that are blessed. So Balaam got it the next morning and said, go to your land because the Lord refuses to give me leave to go with you. So the princes of Moab, they went back to Balak, and they told him what Balaam had said. Balak said, oh, well, we won't take no for an answer. Take more honorable people and take much wealth and go to Balaam and tell him that Balak said, let nothing hinder you from coming. Now listen to this. I will promise you great honor. I will do whatever you say. Come and curse this people. What God say? Don't do it. But Balak tempted him with honor and power. 
And Balaam answered the servants, and he said, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I can't do that. But then he said, I pray you stay here another night. Let me pray about it some more and see what the Lord says. You see, Balaam knew he shouldn't do it. But power and honor and position was too great a temptation. And Balaam went to the Lord again. And God said unto him, If the men come to call you, go with them. But the word which I shall say unto you, you shall do. So Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with them. God's anger was kindled because he went. You say, well, that's crazy. I remember the first missionary I ever met told me to beware of the permissive will of God. She said there's a perfect will of God and a permissive will of God. And she warned me. I was a brand new Christian. She said, if you keep begging God, he'll let you go. But it won't be his perfect will. And she said, you don't want that in your life. So you listen to what God tells you. And you do it. And don't be tempted by what the world offers you. So he gets on his donkey. And he's on his way to Moab with the people. And the uh, the donkey saw an angel standing in the way with his sword drawn. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And what did Balaam do? He smote the donkey to turn her back into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall on one side and a wall on the other. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and slammed Balaam's foot against the wall. What's happening here? God's doing everything he can to keep Balaam from going. Now, this is a true story. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place, and there was no way to go either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel, he fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the donkey with the staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. Can you believe that? And the donkey said, Balaam, what have I done to you that you smite me three times? And Balaam said unto the donkey, You have mocked me. If I just had a sword, I would kill you. In verse 20 of Numbers 30 of Numbers 22, the donkey said, Am I not your donkey upon which you have ridden ever since I was yours until this day? Was I ever want to be so unto you? Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with a sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel said unto him, Wherefore have you smitten your donkey? Because I went before you, I was trying to protect you. The donkey saw me and turned aside three times.
Now look what Balaam did. Balaam said, Oh, I have sinned. I knew not that you stood in the way against me. If it displeased you, I will get me back again. The angel said, No, go on. But only with the word that God will speak unto you shall you speak. So when Balak heard that Balaam had come, he went out to meet him in the city of Moab. And Balak said to Balaam, Did I not earnestly send unto you to call you? Wherefore you came unto me, am I able indeed to promote you to honor? And Balaam said, I have come, now I now have any power, I don't have any power at all. The word that God puts in my mouth shall I speak. Now, the story ends six chapters later. But Balaam could not curse the Israelites. But he desired the popularity and the fame and the power that Balak offered. So he came up with another plan. He said, I cannot curse those people. But you send your most beautiful women out so that the men of the Israelites can see them. And they will marry them. And then you'll intermingle with them. And they'll produce children. And the Israelites will leave you alone to protect their own. This was the compromise that Balaam used to get his way and satisfy the king. This was the downfall of the nation of Israel. God warns us, do not enter Mary. In my lifetime, in my counseling, I have seen so many marriages that just don't make it because one of the partners is a believer and the other one isn't. God says, be not unequally yoked. This move by Balaam weakened the nation of Israel. So what is the warning that God gives to us? Let's look at, and see what he says. The church had lost its hope. Um, and then he said, to, let's see, he says to... Uh, the pagan, the biblical doctrines. He said, you repent. This is to the church in Pergamos, or I will come against you quickly and fight with the sword of my mouth. Now remember, as he introduced himself, maybe I failed to say that Jesus was pictured as a sword, the two-edged sword. That sword is the one that cuts through the bone and the marrow. It reveals the, the intents of our heart. And the Spirit of God is the sword of, of God. And He will show us the intents. Let's beware that we will not compromise what we believe. And then the end of this letter, He says, If you have an ear, let, let him hear. To him that overcometh I will give to eat of the hidden manna, I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name, which no man knoweth, saveth he that receiveth this. Here's the promise to those of us that do not compromise. 
end time of persecution, we're not afraid to stand up and speak the truth. He said, I will feed you hidden manna. That's what he fed the children of Israel with in the desert. He will provide all our needs. And we'll have a white stone. And in those days when they had a a vote, a white stone meant yes and a black stone meant no. And they would put their stones in a basket. And then the powers that be would count the stones to determine the winner. He votes yes on us. And we will have a new name written, which no man knows except he that receiveth. We stand firm. We are God's children, his Christians. His, we are Christians, his family, his church. Take heed to the warnings in these letters. They are vital. Number one, love the Lord with all your heart for what he has done. Number two, don't fear persecution. Number three, never compromise. Always be obedient to what God says you should do. God bless you. Again, I thank you for listening. Share with your friends.